0: keynote speaker's about to come on and I just wanted to say a few words about him and you all know who he is. Talib Kweli. Please hold your applause to the end. Hello everybody. It's your boy with the joy, Talib. Well, we're finally here. Today's our last podcast. It was a good couple of weeks, but sadly, it must come to an end. So, for our last episode, we're going to be discussing three topics from the book we've been reading, Native Son. I'm accepting three calls in the next ten minutes about any questions my faithful listeners might have about the book. Alright, let's begin. Caller number one, are you there? Hello, Talib. My name is youssef Medley. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for taking my call. I've been trying to get through all day. I uh, appreciate what you do there at Q Studios. Um, I have two questions for you, and then I'm just gonna sign off and listen for your response because I know you you got a lot of calls coming through. Um, my first question is, can you describe the dynamics between race and power in Chicago for the story of Native Son? And my second question is, what type of lifestyle did blacks live, and and type of uh things did they endure during this era in Chicago? Thank you. Alright. So, the dynamic between race and power was expressed very clearly throughout the story. Essentially, Whites held total control over the lives of Blacks. This applied to housing, jobs, education, and even their fates at the hands of the law. Richard Wright wanted to make it very clear throughout the story just how hindering the lives of Blacks were. The main character, Bigger, mentioned numerous times just how tired he was of living in a society where he was unable to do anything with his life due to a lack of opportunity. African Americans were rarely given jobs that allowed them to make enough money and advance their careers. Because of this, it was nearly impossible for him to find a job that could improve the the living conditions of himself and his family. They, like most blacks, lived in the black belt and were not sold houses outside of that area. Even Mr. Dalton, a self-proclaimed advocate for blacks, abided by this way of thinking. Bigger himself said that even though Mr. Dalton gave millions of dollars for Negro education, he would rent houses to Negroes only in this prescribed area, this corner of the city tumbling down from rot. So as you can imagine, blacks at this time believed themselves to be inferior to whites. With everything happening to them, their self-worth wasn't very high and they often took on a submissive nature in the presence of whites. Today obviously life is much different. Blacks have more opportunity to do what they want and to achieve their dreams. However, there are still some problems we face that linger on from how life used to be. According to Dennis Robkin from Crane Society Business, in the Chicago metropolitan area, 74.1% of white households own their home, while only 39.1% of Blacks own theirs. While the article attributes this gap to a lack of credit, and blacks still struggling to recover from a housing crash a few years ago. This still leads to a bigger question of why the majority of blacks were struggling in the first place. But that's all the time we have for that question. Let's move on to call number two. Are you there? Hey, this is Sean Carter calling in. In the book, Native Son, the topic of phage news comes up a few times. Could you elaborate on the role it plays in the story? Okay, so fake news was shown quite a few times in the novel after Bigger was arrested. News reporters were constantly coming up with false headlines and stories in an attempt to get the biggest reaction out of their readers. Due to the way the news industry works, reporters are always trying to create the most exciting story for their audience to read. In the stories about Bigger, the papers falsely accused him of raping Mary and gave a warped impression of his appearance. He was described as giving the impression of possessing abnormal physical strength, and it was said that his lower jaw protrudes obnoxiously, reminding one of a jungle beast. Also, the reporters would constantly make wild accusations about Bigger every time he appeared before a crowd. These statements were made to dehumanize him and incite the crowd against him. Just as it was stated in the novel, part of the goal of the news reporters was to get the citizens of Chicago into a mob mentality in order to encourage and continue the hate towards African Americans that was already there. Because of Bigger's actions, it was easier to persuade people that the stereotypes about Blacks being rapists and killers were true. In today's society, fake news is still a problem that we have to deal with. This is especially true regarding information on the coronavirus and how our government handles its cases. It is important that we have the right statistics every step of the way so that our society can know how to respond. However, just a week ago, the Illinois Director of Public Health gave a surprising statement. She said that, someone who died, that if someone who dies happens to have the coronavirus as well, no matter what their actual cause of death is, it will be marked as a death caused by COVID. An example would be if someone who had the coronavirus were to be shot and later died from a wound, this cause of death would still be attributed to the virus. Now. I don't understand why the director would do this, and I'm even more confused as to why she would admit this, but one thing is clear, and that's that fake news will sadly always be a part of how the world is run. Alright, this is my last question of the day, so let's make it a good one. Caller number three, are you there? Hi, my name is Mayola from North Carolina, and I have two questions I would like to ask. But before I do, I want to say I listen to your podcast every week. And thanks for giving a voice to this subject. Now, my first question is, how does being in a gang reflect Bigger's mental state and upbringing in the beginning of the story? And the second question is, what are gangs like in the city of Chicago today? Thank you. Well, thank you, man. At the beginning of the story, Bigger was in a gang with his friends, Gus, Jack, and G.H. He was in the mindset that stealing was the best way for him to solve his money problems. Since Bigger believed that he could never make an honest living from the work he was given, he chose to steal from other blacks as an alternative way to get money. He knew that he could get away with robbing blacks because the police would pay these crimes little attention unless a white person was involved. Although we did not get to see Bigger interact much with his gang, we did get more insight into how he thinks. He tried to act tough around them and pretended like he was never afraid. He did his best to make sure that his actions wouldn't be seen as a sign of weakness, even though his behavior showed just how scared he was. Bigger desperately wanted to be accepted, and while he believed in doing whatever was necessary to get money, he never actually wanted to be in the gang. Part of the reason why he was in a gang to begin with was because he had no father supporting him growing up. It is statistically more likely for boys who grew up without a father to become members of a gang, and although his mother warned him about what would happen if he continued to stay with him, Bigger, for the most part, made his own decisions. Right now in Chicago, gangs and gang-related violence are still a large part of our society. In an article of the Chicago Reporter, which was written by John Hagdorn, Roberto Asfom, Teresa Cordova, Andrew V, and Lance William. They all explained how gang violence spread throughout Chicago in the late 1990s and early 21st century. They said the demolition had scattered the residents, including useful gang members, into surrounding areas. Brand new gangs then formed in the wake of the demolitions. This reality also happened during British time as well and likely had similar results. But, as with all the impacts that I mentioned today, they can be improved. I do not believe that all the problems I mentioned can be fully eradicated, but we can still better the situation by being aware of them. Well, that's all for today. Thank you all so much for listening to my final podcast. For the last time, this is your boy with the joy. See ya!